welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Last week, when Mendel laid down that word, you knew when the melon said, listen, yes. you knew, yes. didn't you? Yes. Come on, didn't everybody just set up a little straighter in their seat? She's mummed you to death. Um, I'm good. Um, and I entitled, am I loud? Let me talk a little louder. I entitled, how's that? I might get excited, so you may have to turn me down. I, I entitled that message, Orphans Becoming Kings. And if you remember, um, I pulled out a little bit of a snippet from her word, and I have it on the PowerPoint here for us today, possibly. There it is. So that's a question we're going to answer today is where's the authenticity? Do you remember she said that in her word last week? Do you remember that, anybody? Great. So here's part of her word from yesterday. It's, um, it starts out, daughter, son, you are not made whole or complete by no longer having need. You're not made whole by wielding authority for me. You're made whole by relearning how to need. You know, when she read that, that just jumped out at me, how to need. And I just got out my little Evernote and I wrote it down, even though I had that whole word in my Evernote, because I wanted to remember that I felt like the Holy Spirit was breathing on that for us just as a tribe. So let me finish this little part. I had snippeted out how to need, how to lean, how to be a daughter or son to me. Orphan mindsets of any kind on any level will not sustain the weight of my glory. I think for anyone in here that wants to be a carrier of his glory, and trust me, everyone doesn't want to be, and that's okay. Um, as our, we are going to have to learn to shift and renew our minds to our original design that God made us. He did not make you to have orphan mindsets. And I want to describe to you today some simple ways to kind of identify where you're at, okay? Yeah, this is what I do. They, the next one, they will not serve as a foundation for my anointing. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be anointed above anything else. That's what I said about Jesus. He was anointed above everybody else. And weirdly, God said we could be like Jesus when we have Jesus. You know, understand that Jesus was modeling how to be human. You know, he gave up his Godship, came down to earth to model to you how to be a man how to be a woe man, right? I'm going to talk about woe men and men today, but I'm just going to call us all sons, okay? But you all all know around here who I'm talking about. They will not serve as a foundation for my anointing. Press into pure sonship to prepare for your next season. So that's a nice snippet, right? So as I was talking with Papa, he began to describe to me today some things that I wanted to identify for us. Tomorrow night, 
Pam is going to be teaching on what we believe around here about healing. And can I tell you that she does not know right now what she's going to say tomorrow night. She thought she did. But when I woke up this morning, I told her no. Basically, that was not the Holy Spirit. And so she doesn't know what she's going to say now. But I think after I get through today, she'll know. So I'm just saying that in faith for her. I like to plan a class and not know what we're going to say. It's true apostolicness, right? So I was talking to him and he gave me these few statements. One is that Papa is a father first. You know, the one thing I love about us is that we know God in the Trinity. We know God. It's not a theological statement. It's not what differentiates us from some other religion. It's a position of relationship. Are you with me? It's a position of relationship. So I know him as a good father. And Jesus said he only does what he sees the father doing. I'm going to talk about that today too. And then I know the Holy Spirit as the gift that he left for me here on earth to animate me, to anoint me, to breathe on me, to paraclete me, walk alongside me, right? That's the Holy Spirit's job. And the more that I'm aware of the Godhead's operation in my life, the more I experience more of the Godhead. You know, spiritual hunger is opposite of natural hunger. Natural hunger is satisfied after eating that donut and and banana. So what I had this morning, I was satisfied. Looking forward to my Super Bowl foods. I don't even know if we're having any, but anyway. If we were, if we were, they would be like pigs in the blanket and stuff like that, right? So, so, but spiritual hunger is different. The more you invest in the things of the Spirit, the more hungry you become for the things of the Spirit. That's the difference. Both hungers are in existence. And I propose to you, when she was talking about this need, she was talking about a spiritual need, and I want to introduce it to you today in a new way. The second thing he told me was that Jesus loved to demonstrate a son to a father relationship. So that was his role on earth was that he wanted to demonstrate to you how to have a father son relationship. So two things had to occur. He had to know he was a son. I'm telling you that what makes us orphans is that we don't know we're sons and daughters. The call of one life is to awaken sons and daughters to their destiny. Because you, someone is dependent upon you living out your destiny. And the enemy doesn't want you to. And he wants to throw in roadblock after roadblock, confusion after confusion, definitions after definitions that have nothing to do with your call, have nothing to do with the supernatural, have nothing to do with the divinity. And he wants you to chase after those to get them satisfied. And that's what's created for the bulk of us, our need. The next thing he told me was that Jesus was governed by the laws of fathering. He didn't need external limits because he was governed internally by the knowledge of being a son. 
Now, let me help you. I've been doing this a long time. And I know most of y'all in here really well. And I am just telling you the power to wield my destiny comes through the knowledge of who I know I am to him. And I am his daughter. No one can change it. I can hear him. No one can tell me I can't. I can follow him. Nobody can tell me it's too hard. I can. I, that is the position of my heart. And so because of that, I am governed. I don't need someone to, you know, I use this analogy a lot about driving in a car. I don't need to carry around the legal handbook of how to drive a car. Because I'm gov- the speed limit is governed with inside me. Yes. It's not governed by the sign. The sign just tells me where I need to target my governing. Yes. It's the same thing in every, every, every other area. Relationally, with your whatever job you're in. If you need your boss to govern and oversee you, or you're going to be stealing pins or taking breaks or, you know, taking a long lunch hour, then you're not governed from within. You're governed with out here by external rules. Are you following me? Now, when I was thinking about Jesus today and just what an amazing example i was thinking i always think about the scripture in john 5 let's turn there in john 5 i love john 5 lynn loves john 5 because her life verse is in john 5 but we're not going to read her life verse today i want to read from the passion translation did y'all know i like that translation a lot in The story of John 5, let me just give you Teresa's rendition of it, okay? They had it in the Passion, I mean in the Chosen, thank you, it was an Eshen word. Um, So what happened in, this is it Pam, right here, you ready? Just just in case you were checked out, okay, good girl. In John 5... There, the story begins, the scene opens. Do you see it like a movie? Because I do. The, the scene opens and there's a bunch of sick people hanging around a bunch of pools. And it was called the Pool of Bethesda. What it doesn't say there, and thank goodness for Brian Simmons, the author of the Passion Translation, who's getting a lot of heat right now. Don't you love it? That means his promotion's right nigh. Anyway, um, that was a segue. The pool of Bethesda set outside the sheep gate. The sheep gate, don't get ahead of me. The sheep gate, it was a dramatic pause. We're in a movie right now. You hear the swell of the music. The sheep gate is where all the sheeps for slaughter came through to be sacrificed for atonement for sins. So the day... That Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda. (laughs) It became the perfect symbolism for us today. The way to healing is through the gate of the Lamb.
And see, so think of those words for a minute when I read you this story, okay? So we know he healed the guy, right? But then the Jewish leader said this. They were criticizing him. And he says, every day my father is at work and I will be too. This infuriated them and made them all more eager to devise a plan to kill him. Because remember why they were mad at him? He was healing on the Sabbath. On the Lord's day. He was the Lord. <laughs> Think about the dude at the pool. He's like, I don't care if it's Monday, Friday, Sunday. Siesta time. I just know I've been laying here for 38 years. And the lamb walked in. The last lamb needed on the earth. For they said, did he not break their Sabbath rules? He called God my father, which made him equal to God. And so Jesus said, I speak to you a timeless truth. Let me help you what a timeless truth is. It's true today. Surpasses time. You need this word today for where you are. It's a timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through my own initiative. Jesus was establishing with that statement how to walk in a healing anointing. It's not about whether the person you're praying for has got faith. It's not about if you got the five-step program down. It's about, do you know you're a son? The level of the ability for you to know that you're a son or daughter is the level you will wield your destiny. And he says, this is what Jesus said. I'm not able to do anything for myself or through my own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing. For the son does the same works as his father. See, the unity between him as a man and what he needed to be able to survive as a man on earth, to be able to demonstrate, came from his ability to acknowledge and own and walk in the understanding that I'm a son. And as a son, I've been put on the planet to only do the works of the Father. So he had no works of his own. The works of him as a mere man. So does that not delineate for us our own personal need? So when I was when I was praying about this the other day, y'all can finish reading John 5, right? Because it's amazing. There's so much stuff. I mean, I could read the rest of the chapter, but... The thing that he showed me, you can put up the next slide, Suo, is that there's two distinguishing factors between orphans and sons. One is independent, and one is interdependent. See, the indicator that you don't know you're a son, that you don't know you're a daughter, 
is independence. And you know it. See, that's the cool thing about God is he gave us the ability to know where we're at. I think I heard four people say this week they didn't know. And, you know, Lynn and I were like, no, you know. God planted within you. See, that's the cool part about anybody that you're going to blitz or anybody you're going to witness to or anybody you're going to evangelize. That was a whole other thing we learned yesterday, wasn't it, Clondra? Is that they know whether you know. They know whether you're bringing a message of sonship or another message of orphanism. And see, when I'm governed by fathering, some of y'all are doing this now. It's a great feeling. Isn't it? Don't you remember when you were little orphans and you thought you were cool? Me and V me and V were having a thing and he was talking about something he did way back in the day and he said he said, I was really cool back then, really. And I was like, Right. You know, remember when you thought you were cool? Yeah. Yeah. And see, in that moment you realize I was just an orphan. I was doing everything for other people to tell me my identity. All of my actions was hoping someone out there would tell me and affirm me. And so I was, I was going through this. The first thing that he told me was, what changes orphans to sons? Look, I got the answer up there for you. <laughs> Put your hand so you can't see the answer. You already saw it. It's being fathered. See, what we did in society, this is why it's a fatherless generation. I could go on a long diatribe. Me and Bro have been discussing it, why God made men the way they are. He's been doing the men's group and been talking to them this week about why God made them the way that he made them. But see, in, in our society, in our generation, it's a fatherless generation. We have to wake up to that. So people are not going to walk in going, Hey, is there anybody here fathering me? Ready to father me. I'm ready to be fathered. You have to demonstrate and model what Jesus did. Jesus didn't start out saying, I'm only going to do a bunch of miracles that dad's doing. He didn't say that. He just did some. If we're going to walk in a healing anointing, if we're going to walk in an anointing to change lives, we have to first know who we are. We can't go and do those things hoping those things will prove to me that I'm anointed. I do out of what I see him doing. And if I'm not relational with him, if I think he's mean, orphan thinking. If I think he's too busy, orphan thinking. My life depends on making sure I only do what I see the Father doing. And Jesus modeled that so good. And you know, the greatest part down in John 5, it says, he just threw it out, just like, and greater works will these you do. <laughs> they were mad at the ones he was doing right then. The religious people, the people who were so close to God. Who had memorized the Bible. Couldn't celebrate the dude's healing. They were only mad at the day. They were only mad at the principle of breaking the law. And the law already proved it killed. And, and, you, you, and you, it was not life. And so I was, I was pondering this some more with him. I love just how that he speaks to me. And he, 
was telling me about um, when, when he talks about who the father loves, he what? He disciplines. Yeah. And see, that word's got such a bad name. So I had to do a little investigation. One of the words that it means is to chasten. It's an old-timey word. Mendel had a dream last night about an old-timey word. She's going to blow your mind with here in a minute. Chasten. You know what chasten means? To prune or cause to be humble or restrained. I love the definition of this word says that God visits us to bring us into the desire of pruning. So think about pruning. It's, it's just part of, there. it's weighty to you. Yeah. Everything God prunes is a weight to you. And you're dragging it around, acting like it's an accomplishment. It's all up here. Dragging it around. And, and you can tell whether you're doing that by how you lead with your story. That word also means, it says, it's a complete training that relates to the cultivation of mind and morals. So see, he's inviting us as a father. See, part of my sonship is that I desire this kind of interaction with someone who can see into me. That's why it's always cracked me up. I've never been this way when people act like they're hiding stuff from God. And I'm thinking, wait, what are you thinking there in your mind? Like, where is he at? (laughs) Did he just suddenly become blind and deaf and not God? See, part of my yielding is constantly presenting myself to him. I decided to bring my own pruning fork and give him. See, some of us are in different places with discipline. Some of us are like, I'm just only if someone finds out, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let anybody know. Nobody in here I know is like that. The next group of people is, well, you know, I'll just find out after the fact. See, I want to know ahead of time. I'm like, hey, Papa, this is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you got? And he's like, let me whack that, and that's no good, and that's no good. And by the time we get through, I got a little idea about this being. I'm like, here I am. That's where y'all see me. I've got this idea right here. It's called Ignite. We're going to do this on Fridays. So it's this big. My idea was something different. But we we had an exchange of ideas. See, because part... Oh, I wish I could get this. Part of dreaming with God is realizing he had the dream first. But he planted it within you, so when you connect with him, it makes you come alive. And guess what? There's an enemy to that. And he's like, oh, they're meant, I see what they're supposed to do. You know, God doesn't really care where you work. I know y'all don't like me saying that. <laughs> You know, you know, I believe in entrepreneurship, so he doesn't really care. He just wants you to perform the works of Jesus and more, which are really what's on the Father's heart. 
So think about it. Every day God gets up. You know. When you do. When you oversleep, he does too. And then when you're ready, like he's waiting that day for y'all to have a conversation about the day. What are we going to do today? Now, you may not check in till 2. So I don't know, you know, from the time you got up to 2 o'clock and, you, and all of a sudden you're like, oh gosh, I hadn't even thought, thought about God today. Then all those hours he was waiting to give you the instructions on what was on his heart that day. That's why the enemy wants to captivate us with so much time spent on something else. Like worrying about rent. When he said, seek first and it'll all be added, we get it out of whack. We think, I've got to hurry up and seek first all the, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I get it. I get how easy it is to get so focused on making people happy. So you have all happy customers doing all these works, getting all these things ready for all these jobs and doing all these things and forget. I had an assignment from him today. It may not come to you naturally. You may be an orphan. And you may think, oh my gosh, if I don't get out there and do this, we're going to go under. Well, if he's not funding it, it's not his dream then anyway. See, so much of us spend so much of our lives doing our own dream. Who has done that in here? Just to find out all of that money was wasted. But God said he funds his dreams. That alone, I mean, that alone should say... You know, there's some people in this house that they decide to fund one life. They just made it their life's mission. (laughs) And guess what? They are overflowing with abundance. I mean, they're getting raises and stuff that people, I didn't even know they're getting checks in the mail. Remember how last year we, all year long, we said checks in the mail. Now the checks are rolling in. Because why? Our heart got positioned to where it's going to funnel to. And so I propose to you that the need that she spoke of to us last week is what I'm fixing to read to you. It's not a natural thing. It's not about Dr. Peppers and hot dogs and special TVs and special cars and special houses. All the things that he said, I'm going to provide. It must be a different need. You know, it's so weird. I love sweet tea. I love sweet, a good peach tea. Right now, let me think who has the best tea. Well, I talked to you about Flamin' Yon last week. Who's the best peach tea right now? Oh, Upper Crust has the best, not peach tea, but they have summertime tea. Sometimes they don't mix it up, but it's the best. We're going to Upper Crust today, I'm sure of it, just because I'm saying this right now. But listen, I could drink that incessantly. (laughs) Right? Does anybody have anything they like enough that they just could literally go a little big hog wild on? I think for Mendel, it's ice cream. Cinnamon rolls for Lynn. See, everybody's got that. That's not the need she was talking about. You naturally feel that need. 
without trying. So I'm going to tell you about the need that satisfies. Can I? Great. The first one that he told me about. See, he said, well, we're on number. Are you on 12? (laughs) It's important that we redefine. Actually, let's do 11. We need a new definition for needs of a son. That's what I'm going to give you today. Everybody's a son. I already went over that earlier, right? Women are not offended in here. Because here I am. So, (laughs) So when we redefine need for parenting through connection and pruning, that's not punishment. Are you beginning to see the direction of your need meter? See, we can be satisfied with some sweet tea. Or we can actually begin to focus our needs on the things that are long lasting. And then the management of sweet tea is easy. See, when I know who I am as a son or daughter, the management of all the... See, I don't know about you, but in religion, we spend all of our time focusing on the sin, focusing on all the programs and all the steps that we can do to not sin. Then we found out God was not sin conscious. He made provision. How many came out of religion where God was sin conscious and we were scared to death? We were going to the hot place. How many were ever scared you were going to go to the hot place? How many watched those left behind? And then the next week, you were pretty sure the rapture came and you did not go. (laughs) What a horrible feeling, right? And so then how long did we live just trying to avoid that feeling? That's an orphan. I'm living, running from something. Instead of living in power, using my authority to make the way. I'm John the Baptist. Make way for the king. Be an entrepreneur of the faith. Explore it. Expand it. Test it out. Try new stuff. When I'm positioned to where my needs are being met as a son, then I have all this latitude and longitude to explore things in the kingdom, to explore things with the king. When I'm an orphan, I'm just like, I, my, my needs aren't going to be met. I'm, I'm not going to have a husband or wife. I'm not going to like my husband and wife if I do get married. I'm not going to have enough food. I'm not going to have enough friend. I'm not going to have that special car I want. I'm just jealous of Lenny's blue suede boots today. Right? I'm pre-rejected everywhere I go, so I'm always looking to see everybody's hating on me. Anytime someone talks to me about some sort of pruning, I feel like I'm getting chewed out. It was one I heard yesterday. I had to throw it in there. You're welcome. Come on, duck, if it was you. The second one is the need for grace and unrestricted love. Here it comes. These are needs you have. Think about... How you actually understand grace. You know, I don't know. um, I think Dan Farley was the one that preached a message last Sunday at Bethel. 
Let's pray for Benny. Papa, I just pray right now over Benny, and I just release your healing over her right now, and I just release the shalom of heaven over her entire being. I just speak peace right now, and I just command that spirit of cancer to leave her body in the name of Jesus, and we just bind with you right now. You say whatever is bound in heaven can be bound on earth, and I say there is no cancer in Benny Johnson's body, and we bind that from having any more effect in her in Jesus' name. So we have this need. We're swimming every day in grace. He made this analogy that the uh, one fish came up to another fish and he said, man, don't you love this water? And he said, what water? <laughs> <Come on. Yes. laughs> right. They didn't even know it was called water because yeah. they were just living in it. Right. We are living in that kind of experience of yeah. grace. You can act all day long like you're in trouble and you're going to mess it up and people are going to be mad, but no one else, everybody else is going, in this great water? And you're going, what water? I just say, let's just live like we can't mess it up. That's how I live. If I mess up, I say, oh, sorry, didn't mean to. Let's move on. My mom said it's just a bump in the rope. Here we keep going. Just keep running into stuff every now and then. It's okay. Don't you wish you could be that free? Don't you wish you just could live like you can't mess it up? Who has that? So, Papa, just right now, I I just break off of us in this room right now. We're in the water. We're in the flow of grace. And right now, we look around and we say, who is around me that can flow in grace? I want to nudge up to them and let them tell me what they see in this beautiful water. The next one is a need for covenant relationships, which produces complete trust. And we have a trust issue. Let's pray over that one. Papa, right now, I just break off where that mistrust came in. That was an assignment from the enemy to say that you cannot trust people or him. And that's an orphan mentality. So we break it right now and we break partnership and agreement with it in the name of Jesus. You have a need for covenant. Your assignment only will happen in covenant. You don't get to make up the rules. You don't get to say, I'm going to be some rogue spiritual person. I don't need a family. I don't need a tribe. I don't like the word tribe. That's a a new one now. Have you heard it? Tribe is a trigger word for people now, I found out. I'm just like, wow, can we say any words? There's no words that are safe. The English language is unsafe. Just go to tongues. We have a need for true covenant. Yeah. You know, this week, um, no, no, I'm not there. Yet. <laughs> you're revealing, you're being Vanna too early. <laughs> so this week, I was just thinking about covenant, and I was thinking about how askew it is because it sounds like bondage when God made it to produce freedom. He made it to produce safety. So think about how crazy strategic the enemy is that he takes the things of God and he twists them to make a generation hate them and be afraid of them when they're really they're the thing that's going to produce the thing they're hungering for. 
And so it's just a skewed in our mind. And so that's why we have to constantly walk in forgiveness within our covenant. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to hurt your little feelers. Those ones that are poking out there like this right here. I can't miss them because I can't get by you without touching them. (laughs) So you have to forgive me. And you have to remember what I said last week. My job here on the planet is to love you into wholeness, to love you into your destiny. And you cannot do your destiny and be an orphan thinker. And so I need to help you, and that's what I've been doing on Wednesday nights, discover how am I thinking such scarcity mindsets, limiting beliefs. It's just another word for the same thing I've been saying for 20 years. It's the same thing. But one day you'll be like, well, I don't want any more limiting beliefs. Like it's the first time you ever heard it, but that's fine. You know, one of the weird things is when we experience limiting beliefs and we're in the middle of the experience, right? Right? And all of a sudden we realize, what I think got me here. That's such a weird experience, isn't it? What I think got me right here on this plot, this little square. Nobody else thought it. See, because we end up blaming everybody at first. We're like, oh, my mom, dad, oh, that old pastor, oh, that boss. We got a whole 12 country and western songs just on our past, right? Until we realize, wow, I am the one. That's the common denominator. Wherever I go, I keep having the same experience with people. It's me. It wasn't them all along. And so covenant relationships, we're so big on mentoring around here. Why? Because we don't want nobody to get away with nothing. Lord, I don't have time for that because I'm wanting to help you see the pitfalls. Someone loves you enough to take their time and say, well, hey, that's just going to be another limiting thought you're having this year again. It's going on where you're, what, 22? So covenant does that because why? You get to know each other on a different level. See, this father's generation doesn't know how to do that. They think social media is real life. They do. It's crazy, right? And so covenant, it's an investment. It's a choice. No one's holding a gun to your head saying you got to be in covenant. You get no benefits if you're not in covenant. Your heart can't experience the benefit of covenant because, because covenant knows it's a choice of the heart. It's an internal decision and it yields external benefits good the next one is we all have a need for unconditional love she already cheated and showed you that one unconditional love how many know in a covenant based on the love of god it's unconditional you can screw up mess up uh, be in a professional apologetic 
You can do the same thing year after year, day after day, have the same crappy attitude all the time. And in, in a covenant, you're just like, well, you're just one step closer to maturity. You're almost there. Keep going. You've almost made it. Man, you had a breakthrough last week. Remember? Remember? They're the greatest cheerleaders ever. You know, when I met Mendel, she said that, and it's, it's, I'm not the only person, but she said I was the only person she had never met that could feel strongly that someone was doing something wrong and still love them. Because the measurement of wrong is only one measurement for me. Are you doing what the Father's doing? We don't make up a bunch of other ones. Well, did you do better than you did last year? Well, I hope everyone is doing better than they did last year. That's not what the Father's doing. Just doing better than that level of orphanism isn't what the Father's doing. So someone has to have the plumb line. And say, here's what the Father's doing. I see what the Father's doing. I'm apostolic. I see it 10 years down the road, 100 years down the road, 200. I see it beyond me. And so there's a plumb line. No one has to invest in that. That's all a choice. But the weird thing about the investment of vision, especially when you invest in somebody else's vision, it makes your vision come true. And see, that's a process of covenant. If I win, you win. If Phil gets a raise, we all get a raise. You see, it just depends on how you want to look at it. In covenant, everybody wins because everybody's winning. So if you hurt, I hurt. If you're if your sons and daughters don't know him right now, then I'm up interceding. They had a dream about their kids, so forgive me. But I don't there's no throwaway people for me. And so, see in covenant, I experienced the pains and the blessings. I always say the pains are half as bad and the blessings are twice as good. That's covenant. That's covenant. So we need that kind of love. The next one is we all have a need for affirmation. Let me tell you the greatest thing that you can ever have in your life. I live from this place that I hear him affirming me every day. So see, then when people criticize me, I don't know if you know this, but people criticize me. It's weird. (laughs) They criticize me for being a woman. Like I could change that. (laughs) And having the audacity to believe like I believe. See, you'll get criticism. But when you're affirmed, that's what they were singing about today. They prophesied in song this entire message. When I stand and look in my father's eyes, it matters not what anybody else says. And I live from a place that his eyes are upon me all the time. And so then if my kids aren't serving God, I don't worry. Because I see that big old keeping hand. It's not a tiny little pterodactyl hand. (laughs) It just reaches out to where they are. It reaches out and touches them. Where that reaches out, and I know that about him. We were laughing the other day about Bailey and I's first interaction. You know, when I first 
met Lynn Bailey was 17 years old. Think about how old she is now. We've known each other a long time. And this mama, her heart was so grieved. And so I covenant, coveted, covenanted with her. It's not even a real word. And, and, you know, we were in pursuit. Now, that didn't, that didn't win Bailey over that day. No, we had a different exchange in the parking lot that day. But see, God kept loving and kept reaching and kept reaching until actually Sarah Lynn's heart was fulfilled. Where Sarah Lynn got to experience her going to her own daughter and laying her heart before her and saying, I am sorry. I am sorry for what I did to you. That exchange had never occurred in Lynn's life. See, that's what covenant does. It teaches you to love beyond activity. And that affirming to her saying, stick with it, mama. Stick with your vision for your three babies. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. See, we, that's what covenant does. Y'all become their sons and daughters. They become your moms. We become brothers and sisters. Why? The things that our natural families couldn't do for it, God all along set you up. All along set you up. You didn't know it. Set you up to be intersected with exactly what speaks to you right here. And that's his good love as a father. And that's affirmation. That's the true affirmation. You're my son. You're my daughter. No matter what anybody says, you know it. The next one is we have a need for a defined destiny. Destiny isn't a theology. It's your assignment. And see, let me just tell you what happens in everybody's life. Is that as we're walking along when we're young, we intersect with something we think we love. And, and it gives all of us a sense of identity. Listen, there's people in this room I'm talking to right now. Just see if you can listen to me. And you intersected with something that made you feel good about you and somebody praised you. And you decided that was your destiny. And it was not. And God has been trying to move you into your destiny the whole time. But you're Lottie. You're a pillar of salt. Stuck back in the past. And everything everybody says to you goes back to that one place that you're trying to get back to. And let me just help you. Let's just break it off right now. It's dead and gone. It is not going to be resurrected. It was never God. If it was God, when God's destiny comes alive in your life, you cannot stop it. He funds it. He supplies for it. He empowers you for it. It's the reason he made you. So when you discover it, he would not withhold. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I just break off from the past, those moments in time where we felt connection to something that was never you. It actually probably saved your life. It probably was a life preserver of some sort, but it's not your destiny. And so I break that and I release you into your true destiny of God right now in the name of Jesus. Man, all kinds of prayers. The next one is we have a need for extravagant giving. Let me tell you. Your giving is connected to how much God can bless you. I can't, you can't, it's, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. 
He said, test me. Test me. Why is it such a part, has to be part of the kingdom mindset? Because it proves to yourself that you trust him. You're the only one that doesn't know. I trust him more over your lives than some of you trust him over your lives. And so give. Give of your time. Cheryl and Lenny are right now working on a steward campaign, stewardship campaign for One Life. And man, they're coming up with some really cool ideas that are really stretching. And I just love to hear, I just like Cheryl's mind. I mean, like, it's just like that mind is so cool. But I remember, I got to tell you, I remember when I first met them, the very first conversation I had with him as a couple, he said to me, she's not good with money. And I thought right then, I thought, oh, she must be really good with money. I mean, I just make him eat those words every week. Because why? We're so, we're so blind sometimes. You know, and when someone hasn't walked into their destiny yet, they're doing all kinds of things. They're letting you. They're, yeah, I'm not good with money. Yeah, you handle it, bro. I mean, just think. She is like Lynn. I mean, like they are meant to teach people how to do budget and how to get to the next level. I mean, Lynn's own daughter is a product of her own mom's ability to teach her how to save. And now what's she doing? She's living in a house instead of in an apartment. When she was out buying donuts and bananas, you know, she wasn't saving. She wasn't saving for her house, right? And see, what happened was, you know, they partnered up. See, that's what covenant does. And extravagant giving is the way that God proves to you what you can handle. He just proves your stewardship right there. Listen, God wants to bless you to be a blessing. He said he'd take care of all your stuff. And see, as a son, a son says, I know who I am, then I know what's available to me. Then I know that if I don't have more, then I either need to adjust my giving or I'm actually in the sowing period. See, all kinds of things are going on with your seed. It's just seed. I like how Bill Johnson says it. He just says that your tithe is just rent on the planet. Yeah, right? I mean, we have all kinds of weird stuff about money. It's another place we have these weird definitions of stuff. The next one is we have a need for expressions of mercy. For you to express mercy. See, if if you get it, all these things that we call spiritual needs are places for you to be activated. See, all of our soulish needs are all about... Bring it home, baby, right here. Right here. Bring it on in, right? Hope I go and I hope I get a free meal here. I hope somebody's over there wanting to buy something. I hope I can cast a vision for somebody of my life. I need rent. (laughs) Right? The next one is we have a need for the operation of safety. Now, see, this house believes that we are a culture of honor. And so the culture of honor has to be upheld by the members. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. right? So you have to decide, do you want to live in a place of honor? If you do, then when honor doesn't occur next to you, you mention it. Because yes. Yes. Right. why? You're the protector. And so that's the operation of safety. Then it's guaranteed. You can guarantee, and you know it, because we we lived at the upper room downtown, and all the 
different people came in, right? And they were always drunk and they were always cussing. And so, but did y'all feel safe? Yes, everybody felt safe. Why? Because we had a standard of safety going on. Are you with me? Just a couple more. Need for the next one is need for mercy. The realization that I can't fail. I already prayed over everybody for this. You know, it'd be it's really important for you to remember how that came into your life. Because when you're a kid, you don't have that. So one day it walked in the door. All these things did. They walked in the door through an experience that was not from God. So they shut down our spiritual activity. Right? The next one is there, you have a need for comfort. Now see, that's not Dr. Pepper. That's a beautiful thing about covenant is that when someone hurts, there's comfort. If you share it. Covenant members want to share it because they want to know that other people are there for them because you want to be there for other people. And so when I give away comfort, right? It makes somebody feel what? You know, I, Shudi came in today to my room and I bandaged her chunky uh, thumb, her chunky tongue, her chunky thumb. Why? I'm giving her comfort. I'm telling her, you don't need to go have that thing cut off. It's not going to be infected. You don't need stitches. I, I tell stories about chunky stuff I've taken out of my thumbs. Why? Because I'm giving her comfort. If she had any fear, she can say, I've got chunky thumbs and I'm good. Everybody just chunk, just chunk stuff happens, right? That's comfort. So when you give away comfort, are you with me? The next one is we have a need for faith exercised. So that means it's a mountain that's in your way. You have a need to exercise your faith to see things move. Right? Yeah. Name your mountain. Figure out what kind of faith you need to move it. Oh, come yeah. on, Jesus. Yeah. And see, your, your spirit man has this need. Yes. It's going to get bored <laughs> if you don't come up to any mountains. That's true. Right. That's true. It is. Remember what I said at the beginning. Yeah. Your spirit grows in strength by what? The more you gather... The more you eat spiritually, right? The more your spirit man grows. You also have a need for like-minded friendship. You know how you you always try to make friends out of people that don't think anything like you? (laughs) It just always leaves you wanted, right? Wanting. So see, that's important to us as covenant people, as we are experiencing what he said in that word last week, that there's a need within you that he placed within you and it needs to be exercised to give it away. And then that always makes us receive it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what does the Bible say about friendship? If you want to have friends, you got to be friendly, right? Yes. Last one is we have the need for empathy and compassion expressed. Yes. Have you ever felt sorry for somebody? Have you ever felt sorry for somebody? Have you ever been able to give something to them and they said, when you did that, I feel better? That's compassion. 
It's when I do something that's enough to relieve the pain you're feeling. When Jesus, remember, when he wept, he because of Lazarus, remember? Yes. He yes. felt bad for the sisters. When he looked over the city, yeah. Yeah. he cried because what they were like sheep without a shepherd. What was what was that what was it that he was crying about? They were lost and lonely. See, when as a daughter, I hear the cries of people who are fatherless. And so that caused me to develop an answer for fatherlessness. And it's just not a bunch of male figures. It's a spirit. It's the spirit of adoption. And see, that's what I'm talking about today. Mendel's going to come and wrap it up. That's what I'm talking about today is that there's indicators for us what side of thinking that we're on. And so today is just an invitation to experience the needs of our own spirit man to be exercised to others so that we experience the comfort of the Father. Come on, Mendel. Such a good word, right? So just to a slight recap, I just felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit to remind us that the word that I shared last last week that she pulled that from was saying that we thought and often our our um, earthly fathers thought that you solved orphanhood you solved being an orphan by making sure by getting rid of your needs by saying I've got it so now I no longer need it you know and that this interesting concept this interesting twist was that the Holy Spirit was saying in that word no it's actually through your needs that you become fathered that you can then be a king you can't be a king in his kingdom as an orphan so if you just try to get rid of all your needs you would never actually be a king because you become a king by having your needs met by a father and so that's it was so um, eloquently presented today, Tisa, and I love that you pointed out a lot of things that um, religion typically excludes from the equation. And that's why I think a lot of us, whether you're from religion, came out of religion or came out of just a worldly system, um, when you first came to One Life, oftentimes you thought that your needs were bad. And I know I did. I thought my needs were bad. In fact, they were a problem and they were like a thorn in my side, you know. And uh, so it was so um, such a game changer to find out that our needs were actually healthy. God intended us to have needs. He made us with needs. And now we're realizing because that's the point of connection where he wants to be a father to us. And so um, I just, I encourage you to listen to this message again. There are so many things covered. It was an overview of lots of different areas. I'm sure we'll be continuing to pursue um, throughout the year. But um, so I did have a dream last night, an interesting dream. And I always ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, he can speak to me in any, whatever way he wants to. And often it's in a dream. But especially on Saturday nights, I say, if there's anything you want me to say or share or we want to emphasize on Sunday, let me know. So I had this interesting dream that I didn't really know. I didn't have all the had of it figured out until I listened to her message. But in this dream, uh, the short version is um, we owned a building and we were renovating the building like we were doing some remodeling and stuff. But there was a connected building um, to that. And the people that owned that side were also doing some sort of construction 
remodeling. I don't know what they had going on, but we shared um, sort of an industrial size garage area. And so I guess that day at our remodel, we were going to be laying new flooring and all the flooring was out in the garage in this industrial size garage. And so I showed up to the job site and along with a couple of other people, and there was already the guy that we had subcontracted with to do the install the floor. Somebody was there from that company, but it wasn't the head guy who was actually supposed to be installing the floor. And I noticed as I watched this other guy that he was just kind of wandering around and he acted like he was doing stuff, but he wasn't actually accomplishing anything. And I knew all the flooring was in this industrial sized garage. And I, so I was like, well, we need to go get the flooring, carry it in, right? We need to go out. That's what we need to be doing. Well, we go to get the flooring and the other people, like I said, are doing construction in their building and that we shared this garage space. And so they had had truck after truck come and unload boxes and just piles and piles of stuff for their job. And they just put it right in front of the doorway and just made it in a big line out into out of the garage and even into the street. And they were moving and shaking, doing all sorts of stuff, but they were blocking our ability to get in and out of the door. And so we couldn't carry our wood flooring in because they were they were blocking it. And so I kind of wandered or I was wandering around in there and I was seeing all this happen. And I was like, why isn't somebody doing something about this? Like, why isn't somebody calling the flooring subcontractor to say, where are you? Where are you? You're supposed to be here. This guy doesn't seem to be know what he's doing. Why isn't somebody saying something to these other this other neighboring building and saying, hey, you're blocking our access to our job? And it was like no one was no one was doing anything. You know, nobody was standing up in a position of authority. And so we all just basically spent a couple hours wandering around the building doing nothing. And so after several hours, we decide, everybody decided we're just leaving. We're going home. And so basically, we let the other person's momentum, the other, the other people and what they were doing and their disregard for us, they, we let them sort of decide our our direction for the day. So because they were doing what they were doing and it was blocking our way and everything, we didn't say, Hey, this is our property too. We have a right. We didn't stand up for any, anything. And we just let that dictate what we would do for the day. And so interestingly, right after I had, right after that portion of the dream, I just heard this sentence with this word. I didn't even know what it was. And it said, watch out for Blythe. Okay. I knew it was, I knew how it was spelled. I knew it was B-L-I-T-H-E, Blythe, but I did not know what it me meant at all. I've never used it in a sentence and I had to look it up. And so I woke up with that, watch out for Blythe, watch out for Blythe. So I was like, okay, so I tried to look up Blythe and it was an odd sort of, um, definition. It's an old word. It's had different types of different meanings and different uses over time. But the definition that I found that made the most sense to me was it says that you could use the word blithe to indicate that something is done casually without serious or careful thought. Another definition was lacking due thought or consideration. So watch out for doing things without due thought or consideration, watch out for 
um, something being done casually without serious or careful thought. And I felt like in the dream, that is kind of, that was happening kind of in both places. There was the other people in the other building, they were operating without any regard for us. So they weren't being considerate. They weren't thinking about the bigger impact of what they were doing. But also on our building and our job site, nobody was, you know, had enough motivation to think through, hey, we've got an important job to do today. I should stand up and say something. I should make sure this, you know, we just let that bump us around without consideration for what that meant in the long run. So we just like, well, we can't do it. We'll just leave. And so I think that was blithe in operation in, in both regards. But what occurred to me is during Tisa's message is that I think that we operate in blitheness. Okay, I don't know if that, I don't even know if that's a real word, but that that blithe kind of thing that all of us in this room, all of us are kind of we fall into that because we were orphans. You know, we were orphans, were raised in different ways before we came to know Him as a as a father, and we're used to just going through our day. And we may, you know, maybe if we're doing really good, we're like 50% of the time, we're like, Father, what are you doing right now? You know, we're really consulting him. But the rest of the time, we're just operating on, you know, like um, autopilot, you know. And um, so I think that he's trying to bring our attention that sometimes we're actually living out our lives. It may be with different people and different circumstances. In some way, it applies to us where we are operating with this blitheness, where we're not really giving it due thought. We're not really giving it care, the careful thought that our actual beliefs dictate that we should. You know, when, when we say, I want to live my life for him, my purposes are for him, I want to only do what the Father does, are we really checking in with him or, or are we operating, you know, on autopilot? And so you guys know how much I love analogies. So the Holy Spirit gave me the great a great analogy for this. Okay, so bowling. Bowling. Now, when I was a kid, I my parents put me and my brother on a bowling league when we were pretty young. Didn't know how to bowl. Now, years and years and years later, um, when I moved here, I don't know when I first discovered it, but I think it was here, I went bowling with some friends, and they had these things called bumpers which I had never seen that before we did not have that as a kid we didn't have bumpers where I lived there were no bumpers at the bowling alley so when you go bowling and you don't really know how to bowl you put those bumpers up and you just throw the ball down and it bounces off of things as it makes its way and so it gets there because these bumpers just you know bounce it along right well when I was a kid I had to figure out I had to be taught how to make this ball go down that way, down that alley without falling into the gutters and hit those pins. So it required a fathering, of fathering, a teaching, a training and practicing and continuing to go back to the, the coach, you know, how do I make this happen? It, so I had to learn how to do it. I had to be, I was reliant upon a fathering training and teaching to accomplish the goal as opposed to just saying, I don't even have to know how to do this, and throwing a ball down there, you know, the bumpers will, will make it happen. And so a lot of us in this fatherless generation, you know, we are living life that way. Like, well, I'll get up and I will walk out of my door. I'll go to work and whatever happens, I'll just be bumped around and that will determine my course for the day. 
but we're really called to say, how do I meet this goal? I see the father throwing this ball down this alley and hitting those pins. How do I do that? And we then go to him for training. And so I think that's a great example of that blitheness in operation. That's the bumpers, just letting life bump you around. You're not giving it any actual thought. You're not giving any consideration for how badly the father wants to teach you or train you in that area. You're just letting it happen. You're like, well, here's what I got. Bam, you know, and then you let it let things bump you around. So I think that was just a, a word that he wanted to to wanted me to share to reinforce this concept. We want to go deeper with this fathering concept we want to be orphans no more at all not just you know 50 percent of the day etc so as that word said let's press into pure sonship pure sonship is what that word ended with because that is what this next season what you'll need for this next season so papa we just want to say thank you for your fathering thank you so much for your fathering papa you have absolutely changed my life my my the very rhythm of my breathing the very fact that i'm i'm free to not to actually enjoy life to look ahead at the future without anxiety you have changed everything because i know that i am safely held by you that i am loved by you that you delight in me above all things that there's no shame in making mistakes and that you actually delight in the process of letting us of letting me learn by coming to you and talking to you about things. So I just bless each person in the room today and every person hearing the sound of my voice with this anointing of an impartation of being fathered. This fatherhood that is wanting he's wanting to release across the room. There's a next level to being fathered by him. For every person in this room, I don't care how old you are, how long you've been coming here, how long you've been a Christian, any of that. There's a next level fathering available to us right now. So I just pray that hunger will be stirred up in the hearts of each person for a greater level of fathering and that we won't let our our lives, the very time that he's given us on this earth, be taken up by this lack of due consideration and just letting life bump us around. But we will actually see it as a gift and an opportunity to come to you with our need. We will come to you and say, we don't know how to do what we're doing. I don't know, Papa, how to do this thing, but I'm not going to let take this lower path and just let, let life bump me around. I'm going to come to you with my need and find connection with you in that place. So I thank you for the upgrades that you're releasing today. And we just say we love you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Papa. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.